0: Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. Golly, Michael Wallace, I love you. Thank you for your heart for the Lord, man. Thank you for how you're, you're leading this worship team, and you lead us into the presence of God. And thank you for not being afraid of people. I just wanna honor you, ma'am. I do. Father, in the name of Jesus, give us wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Teach us. I thank you that your anointing teaches us all things. And Father, I thank you that when you say your truth sets us free, you mean it. It works. So we love you. We bless you. And we ask you to come move in power. Amen? Amen? You agree? Yep. Cool. Well, hopefully you were here last week and you heard the first part of this. But if you didn't, then please go listen online. It will make tonight um, even more meaningful and drive what the Lord wants to say home even more. But to give you the quick and skinny and catch you up very quickly, we're talking about the Bema seed of Christ or the judgment seed of Christ And the title of the message, part one, part two, is Bama, run. Kind of like bear, run. Earthquake, run. Tidal wave, run. Because so often we approach the judgment seat of Christ with fear and with hesitation and with uncertainty. And so what we talked about last week was we don't have to run away from it. We can run towards it. Primarily for two reasons. And the first one was this right here. Your sin and my sin is not going to be a part of the conversation Amen. on that day. Amen. It's done. We could do ourselves a favor. And we've been saying our old man is? Ten, ten, ten. Yeah. Well, our sin is? Ten, no, I like that, Sadie. That's good. Our sin is gone, gone, gone. Past. Present, future, pre-conversion, post-conversion, before I met Jesus, after I met Jesus, the sins I'll commit tomorrow are gone. Y'all, I'm telling you, either I'm committing blasphemy along with our pastor and the Lord can strike me now (laughs) or it's true. It's true, It's true. Isaiah 53, he took it all. And for those that trust in him, God the Father says I'll remember your sin no more. Gone, gone, gone. And the second point is this right here. The Father, his heart, the Lord Jesus, his heart, the judgment seat of Christ that day is all about reward. Everybody say that. It's all about reward. reward. It's all about? Reward. Yeah, it's all about reward in Revelation 22:12 he says this, I'm coming. Behold, I'm coming and my reward is with me and I'm ready to give it to each one according to their work. He's not coming there to belittle you. He's not coming to point out inadequacies. He's not coming to put all of your mistakes and your failures up on a movie screen for the world to see. That day is a judgment or a measuring or a weighing for reward and for reward only. Does that help you? Good. Well, it took me 40 minutes to say that last week, but there's the two-minute version. So we're picking up tonight with, it's all about reward. And not only is it all about reward, but all of the rewards are based on my work and your work. Everybody say, based on works. Based on works. Say it again. You don't believe it. Based on works. It's based on works, y'all. You know the reason we have an aversion of that? is this, because we've heard all our lives and it's very, very true. You can turn over to 1 Corinthians three while I'm talking to you. It's very true, we've heard all our lives. We can't be good enough to earn our way to heaven, right? And so since we can't be good enough to earn our way to heaven and all of our righteousness is as filthy rags, I'll spare you for what that really says for the sake of young ears in the place. That's what our righteousness is, then we also divorce ourselves from this idea that our works matter, right? Because we kind of go, ah, if our attempts at righteousness can't do anything, our works probably can't do anything either. Well, that's a problem for a judgment that is based entirely on your work and my work. Would you agree? Okay, you're kind of quiet. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11. Let's read that. No other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, that would be the good, wood, hay, straw, that would be the less good, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. It's the word of the Lord. Thank you. It's based on work. And on that day, his fire, for the purpose of reward, is gonna test our work to see what sort it is, And some of it is going to endure and there's going to be a reward and some of it is not going to endure. Which means there's not going to be a reward for what does not endure. Did you guys hear that? It doesn't mean he's going to make fun of us. It doesn't mean he's going to belittle us. It doesn't mean there's consequences coming our way. It doesn't mean he's going to judge us. It doesn't mean anything is coming our way from the Lord. It means something that could have come our way, can't come our way. That's what you need to hear. And it's all based on work. Let me give you another scripture to drive this point home. If I were to say, why did the Lord save you? Shout some, shout some answers at me. Why did he save you? Come on, love. Why did he save you? Why did he save you? Keep it coming. To worship him. Fellowship, to worship him. Yeah, for love, for the kingdom. I love it. It's good. How about Ephesians 2.10? You've been created in Christ Jesus for good works. How about that? Add that to your repertoire of what God saved you for, right? And what he saved me for. We've been created in Christ Jesus, which is the salvation experience, the born again experience. And we've, we've, that's happened to us. The Lord's done that for us for good works prepared beforehand. Some versions say, before the world began. There is good works. There are things the Lord wants us to become and things the Lord wants us doing that he's had in mind before the world ever existed, that the salvation experience and the grace of God within us makes possible. And just as much as you've been saved for anything else, just as much as I've been saved for anything else, we've been saved for good works, right? That's good, that's liberating all by itself. Lord, you saved me for good works. And you even know what you're doing. You knew what you were doing when you saved me for good works. Now, let me say this. What I'm not talking about is us doing something on our own. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, I've labored more than you all, yet not I, but the grace of God within me. Let me be very clear right out of the gate that what we're talking about is abiding. What we're talking about is entirely dependent on our relationship with the Lord and his grace and the move of his spirit in and through us, okay? You guys good so far? So let's approach it this way. I wanna wanna highlight two things in this 1 Corinthians 3 passage, and the first is the end of it. I thought this was interesting when I was reading it. If anyone's work is burned, he'll suffer loss, but he himself will be saved Yet so as through fire. 16 says, do you not know that you're the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. That's so good. Right after he says, the individual is gonna be saved. Of course the individual is gonna be saved. He's the temple of God. And if anybody destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. So what we need to see there is, again, I want to affirm you, church, that when we put our confidence in what Jesus has done for us, the danger is over. Because this is what that would look like. The Lord, right, judging the Lord. Do you see that? Because I'm the temple of God. You're the temple of God. The spirit of God dwells in us. So of course the individual is saved. Did you guys get that? That was really cool when I was reading that and the Lord showed that to me. Here's the other thing I wanna focus on. What's burned? What's burned? What doesn't endure? What's wood? What's hay? What's straw? Everything that's not of the kingdom. That's exactly right. I think it's probably two things. Maybe at the most, three things. And the third thing that I'm not entirely convinced it is, is our miss the marks, which would be our sin, right? To sin, what does it mean? Miss the mark. If those do come up, they come up and go poof, 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 poof. But I'm not convinced that they're even gonna be that much of a part of the conversation, right? You take it to the Lord. You ask the Lord about it. I don't have all the answers. But possibly that's one thing that's gonna burn up. It's certainly not gonna be rewarded. Because it's not of the kingdom, right? When we miss the mark. Other things that are gonna be burned, the neutral things. Do you guys hear that? You guys like the show Fixer Upper? Huh? Ah, you came to life. Thank you, Lord. There's the congregation. I don't think the Lord is going to reward me for sitting on the couch and watching Fixer Upper for as many episodes as I might watch in a single sitting, right? He's not against it he might even like it himself. I mean, he was a carpenter, but it's not kingdom. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not eternal. It's not making an eternal difference in my life or someone else's life. It is entertainment. It is neutral. We might also throw golf in that category. Matthew, I know you and I would like to think that we get rewarded eternally when we play golf, but we probably don't. It's probably neutral. Do you guys hear that? Except when I beat your pastor. He's going to listen to this. It's great. Except when I beat your pastor, because then I am assisting with his humility. And that has eternal significance. So that one gets rewarded. But most other rounds of golf, y'all, they're neutral. So Michael said, you're reaching Brandon. I know. I hear you. Keep me reeled in. So possibly the missus, y'all. Probably the neutral, y'all. And then the things we do when our motivation is messed up, right? That's definitely going up in smoke. So this is Matthew 6, 3 and 4. When you do a charitable deed, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly, right? That's what that's speaking of. The things that we do that are of the kingdom with the right heart are gonna have great reward. The things that we do that are of the kingdom from a selfish motivation, poof, they're going up in smoke, right? Now, let me just say this about motivation because this can get a little bit tricky. He goes on in Matthew chapter six to say, When you pray, pray like this. Don't pray on the street corner. He's talking about the Pharisees. Don't pray, don't pray long, loud, repetitious prayers. Go into your closet and pray to your father who sees in secret and he'll reward you openly. When you fast, don't let your face look all messed up so that it can be seen by all that you're fasting. When you fast, wash your face, fast to your father who's in secret and you'll be rewarded openly. Do you guys see there that motive? matters incredibly when we're talking about reward with the Lord. But here's what I want to temper you with right here and myself included. The motive only matters when the work of the kingdom is done, okay? Let me show you guys what I mean. Let's say that setting this water bottle up on that podium is a work of the kingdom, right? and I set it up with a right heart, then there's reward there, right? Okay? Let's say that I set it up with a wrong heart, evil intention to be seen because I like glory. I love it when you guys applaud me, it's what I live for. (laughs) Right? Nothing, nothing. But let me ask you, what if I sit back here with all the right motives and the greatest intention in my heart and a whole bunch of flapping my gums, about how great Jesus is and how great the work that he's called me to do is and I never take the bottle and put it up on the podium. Does my motive matter? Zero, right? So don't get caught up in this even though I'm not doing anything, even though I'm separated from the works, even though I'm not carrying out the work of the kingdom. God knows my heart and he will reward my heart. No, he will not. He will not reward your heart if you do nothing because you've given him nothing to work with. He has no substance, right? You have to be doing the work of the kingdom for your motive to even matter. That's a good word, y'all. I promise, okay? So it's about our works and it's about our motives. Let me just say this. I think there is gonna be a little bit of mixed emotion, y'all, you know? That's why last week is so important. Go back, listen to last week, okay? It's about rewards, Bema, judgment seat. It's about rewards. He wants to reward us. But there is gonna be mixed emotion because we're probably not gonna get it perfect, you know? There may, there's gonna be some wins. There's probably gonna be some loses. And we'll, we'll talk about that more as we go, right? Now, I'm not gonna sit here and say, you might not get everyone because... I'm not gonna think small of God and the grace of God in you. You might get everyone, right? You might lose everyone. And the likelihood is you're gonna be somewhere in the middle, right? Some things are gonna have substance, especially if the neutral is included. Some things are not gonna have substance. Some things are gonna endure. Some things are gonna go up in smoke, right? And you're gonna be there and there's gonna be, I'm gonna be there. There's gonna be a sense and an awareness of, oh, Lord, ah, You had more for me, you had more for me. I was distracted, I liked fixer upper too much, you know? I spent much time on the golf course or whatever. There's gonna be some of that, but I wanna temper that with this. We're gonna be with him, right? And I believe the joy of being with him will overshadow any sorrow that may be a part of the conversation. I read something online and I thought it was good. I'm gonna read it to you guys. This is from bible.org. The judgment seat of Christ may be compared to a commencement ceremony. At graduation, there is some measure of disappointment and remorse that one did not do better and work harder. However, at such an event, the overwhelming emotion is joy, not remorse. The graduates do not leave the auditorium weeping because they did not earn better grades. Rather, they are thankful that they have been graduated. They are grateful for what they did achieve. To overdo the sorrow aspect of the judgment seat of Christ is to make heaven hell. To underdo the sorrow aspect is to make faithfulness inconsequential. Do you guys see that? Let me read that one more time. To overdo the sorrow aspect of the judgment seat of Christ is to make heaven hell. To underdo the sorrow aspect is to make faithfulness of no consequence at all, right? So we have to understand what the Lord's there to do. We have to understand that this is about rewards. We have to understand that this is about works. And we also have to have incredible sobriety that the joy of being with our God and savior and creator is the most powerful thing in the universe. Okay? You guys with me there? Does that make sense? Are you still listening? Okay, cool. Let me talk to you just a little bit about criteria. Okay? I'm going to go through these very quickly. Because there's something more important the Lord wants to say. But Some of the things we're gonna be judged on. This is interesting. I'm gonna go through this list very quickly. You can see that there are things on this list that I'm gonna read to you. There's There's also a lot of scriptural support. I've printed about 30 copies of this. They're out there at the information center. You guys can pick one up as you go. If we need more, we'll print more. So if you want a reference, it's all yours. Number one, how we treat other believers. How we exercise our authority over others. How we employ our God-given abilities, faithfulness, to include the gifts, discerning the gifts, using the gifts, how we use our money, how we spend our time, how much we suffer for Jesus, how we run the particular race God has chosen for us, how effectively we control the old nature, which is We might need to work on getting them together a little bit, boss. <laughs> How effectively we control the old nature, which is? now yes, 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 yes. No, that's better. How many souls we witness to and win for Christ. Did you guys hear that? That's real, y'all. That's real. Ministering to others is not a good idea. It's who we are. And there's reward for it. How we react to? temptation, how much the doctrine of the rapture means to us, how faithful we are to the word of God and the flock of God. All right, 12 things, a bunch of scripture attached to that. You guys can pick one up as you go. Here's a couple of the rewards. Told you we would talk a little bit about criteria and a little bit about the rewards themselves. So I'm going to read you Five scriptures, and they're about the five crowns listed in scripture. And then we're gonna cover a couple from Revelation. Just listen, take this in. The incorruptible crown. First Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we to get a crown that will last forever. Incorruptible. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. The crown of rejoicing. This is the soul winner's crown. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed. You are our glory and our joy. 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20. Daniel 12, 3 says this, Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. The crown of righteousness, also called the watcher's crown, now, there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. 2 Timothy 4, 8. I'm just gonna ask you guys this. Who are those who long for his appearing? Aren't they those who are ready to be with him? Aren't they those who are confident? Aren't they those who are doing the father's business? Aren't they those who are embracing holiness and righteousness and the way that God sees and does in their lives? There's so much in that statement and there's a crown for those people that love his appearing. The crown of life, this is the sufferer's crown. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. How many times do we hear in a week, man, I'm going through this and it sucks and it's pointless and I'm tired and I just want it to be over. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. James 1 12. The crown of glory, the shepherd's crown. Let me just say, y'all, so you can hear this the right way. This is talking about Alex, but it's talking about us. You know what I mean? Michael shepherds the worship team. Cheryl shepherds her volunteers in the back and your kids. Tech team up there, they shepherd a group. Ushers, they shepherd a group. Greeters, they shepherd a group. Everyone involved in life groups, they shepherd a group. What about those of you in the congregation that just have a heart to pour into and encourage and pray for other people? You know what that's called? Shepherding. So don't think too narrow. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. 1 Peter 5, 2 through 5. Almost done. Don't zone out now. You don't want to miss these next four. To the overcomers. He who is able to hear let him listen to and heed what the spirit says to the assemblies the churches to him who overcomes I will give to eat of the manna that is hidden I will give him a white stone with a new name engraved on the stone which no one knows or understands except he who receives it Revelation 2:17 And he who overcomes and who obeys my commands to the very end, doing the works that please me, I will give him authority and power over the nations. I will give him authority and power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a... Rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, and his power over them shall be like that which I myself have received from my father. And I will give him the morning star. That's Revelation 2 26 through 28. This is Revelation 3.12. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the sanctuary of my God, and he shall never be put out of it or go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the New Jerusalem, which descends from my God out of heaven and my own new name. Revelation 3.21. He who overcomes, I will grant to sit beside me on my throne just as I overcame and sat down beside the father on his throne. Incredible, incredible. So there's your promises for rewards. Why do I take the time to go through that? Because I want us to be convinced that it's reality. You know, there's real things. It's not just some ambiguous thing floating out there that the Lord might someday act on. These rewards have names. These rewards have promises. These rewards have context in our lives. Fair enough? Are you guys encouraged by that? Good, I hope so. Now, I really wanna get to what I think probably is the biggest thing the Lord wants to say. And that is this, we really don't believe, we can please him. We really don't believe, we can please him. Most of us. I'll give you an example. Mason, the Lord is proud of you. And not just you, man, not just that he created you, the Lord is proud of what you're doing. Easy to believe or hard to believe? to believe? Easy to believe. I picked the wrong guy. How many people in the congregation would have a hard time believing that? Oh, ha, ha. There's the saved ones, there's the honest ones. Thank you, Lord. Right? This idea that the Lord is pleased with us and not just pleased judicially, not just pleased positionally because of the finished work of Jesus, he's pleased with how we're actually ordering our lives every day, how we're actually doing our works, how we're actually walking in righteousness and our minister to others and the way that we're enduring suffering the way that we're serving, the way that we're giving, the way that we're doing all those things that we just read about. It's hard for us to believe that we could be measuring up to the expectation of a perfect God. Or maybe it's just me. Nope. Thank you. All right, we can move forward then. Good. Let me just ask you guys this. This is what we, this is what we buy into right here. That this is what the Lord says to us. Hey, I want you to try, 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 try. Work, 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 work. Give it your best. Give it the old college try. You'll never measure up. It'll never be good enough. But I want you to give it your all anyway. Don't we? Talk to me. Are you sleeping? Okay. I buy into that, y'all. I do, I have, so much of my life. I bought into that. What kind of parent would say that to their kid? Hey, little Johnny, I want you to try, 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 try. I want you to give it your best. I want you to sweat, I want you to work, I want you to toil, I want you to do your very best. It's never gonna be good enough. It's never gonna measure up all the way, but I want you to try just the same. No parent, no good parent would say that, and yet we think that's what the Father says to us. Right. We think that's the expectation of God for us, and yet we as earthly and, and, and messed up mothers and fathers, we wouldn't even say that to our own kids. How about teachers? What teacher would say that? To their students. How about coaches? What coaches would say that? To their players. That's right. Nobody Nobody would say that. They would say, you can do it. This is a real possibility. You can measure up. We can win the game. We can beat them. You can make those grades. You can finish the race. You can, you can, you can, you can, you can. That's right. Right? Guess what? The Lord is the same. That's why we have that in us. We get it from him. It's what he says. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm yelling at you. I get really passionate about breaking apart lies. You know, I do. Because there's freedom there. Right? All right. Good, 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Let me make sure I'm telling you these things out of the Bible. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Ooh, scary. Right? And the end of that is, then each one's praise will come from God. So he's gonna reveal our hearts, and then guess what's coming after that? Praise! Each one's praise. You can, you can, you can, you can. You did. Each one's praise, y'all. One of the things that I said last week that I think is worth saying again is this. Romans eight thirty one says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And that will be as true on the day of judgment, on the day of weighing and evaluation as it is right now. All right, let me give you a couple more. Something I'm even more excited about, if that's even possible. Revelation 2 and 3. Let's go over there. I wanna read a couple of things to you real quick, y'all. I'm wrapping up. Stay with me, okay? Will you give me another seven and we'll be done? All right, Revelation 2 and 3. He speaks to seven churches, y'all. He speaks to seven churches. You know what he says to only one of them? Laodicea, bad. You've you've failed, right? You're lukewarm. I'm about to vomit you out of my mouth. One out of seven. You know what those percentages are? I don't know either, like 14, 15. Where's the mathematicians in the room? And yet, that's all we can think about when we come before him, is you're only gonna have negative things to say. One out of seven, Four out of seven. Those percentages are a little bit better. Four out of seven. I've I've seen your works. This is what you've done right. Good job. Great job. These are the things you need to work on. I have this against you, right? So good, bad. Useful, useless. Here's what I want to drive home to you, church. When he says, of that four out of the seven. For instance, in Revelation 2, 2-2, this is one, the loveless church that has both. In Revelation 2-2, he says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. You know what that is? That's praise from God. Now, answer me a question. They do that perfectly? No. A church full of people? That would be as crazy as saying you guys did something perfectly. Not likely. And yet, does he have one negative thing to say about what they did well? Do you hear it? No. Nothing. I know your works. I've seen your works. You did this well. You did this well. You did this well. You did this well. And although it was not perfect, it was enough for him to be pleased. Do you guys see that? Four out of seven. Good, bad. Two out of seven. This would be Smyrna and Philadelphia. Only good things to say. You really, really need to get that. We'll look at Philadelphia real quick. Revelation three starts in seven. I'm gonna read you eight. I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door and no one can shut it for you have a little strength, have kept my word and have not denied my name. You could read from seven to 13. You know how many negative things you'll find? Zero. He spoke to an entire church and said, well done, good job. Great work here. And it was not perfect. And yet he was pleased. What I want you to hear, church, is pleasure apart from perfection. I don't know how he does it. I don't know if he just overlooks the inadequacies or the holes or he fills them up and makes it perfect. I don't really care. (laughs) <laughs> what I'm excited about is that I can measure up. You can measure up. That's what I want you to hear. Now, let's, let's, let's think about Matthew 25, and I'm just gonna walk you through it instead of read it to you for time's sake. In Matthew 25, you have the parable of the 10 virgins. You have the parable of the talents, and then you have the parable of the... Sheep and the goats. Now, I'm gonna read you a little bit, a part of it, okay? Now, what I want you to hear is you guys tell me. When I read something to you, tell me if they're believers or unbelievers. Are you ready? Can you take a challenge? You guys afraid? Okay. <clears throat> and we'll cut him in two and appoint him as portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Say it like you mean it. Unbelievers. Unbelievers. (laughs) The door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Unbelievers. Unbelievers. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You guys still believe it? And then he will say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Glory to God. Why is that important? Because every one of those parables is talking about a group of believers and a group of unbelievers. And there are things said to believers and there are things said to unbelievers. And what we're talking about right now is, can we measure up? Here's what's said to the believers in the parable of the faithful servant and the evil servant. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you, he will make him ruler over all his goods. Does it sound like he measured up? Yes? Yes? All right, keep me honest. (laughs) And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. Did they measure up? Sure sounds like it. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Did he measure up? You bet your backside. He measured up. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come on, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared from you for you from the foundation of the world. Did he measure up? Can you measure up? Oh my goodness, y'all. That is so powerful. That is so life-changing. And just in case you think, It's only the big things. There's a scripture in Matthew that says, I tell you the truth. If anyone gives one of these little ones a cup of water in my name, he will not miss his reward. (sighs) You know what's cool about reading the list of all the criteria? It's really our whole lives, isn't it? We went through that list. It's really everything. And it sounds a lot like Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, do it with all of your heart as to the Lord and not the men, knowing that your reward doesn't come from men. It comes from God, right? So whatever you and I choose to bring the Lord into, there is not spiritual and secular as Abba taught us before. Wherever you are is spiritual. Wherever you are is sacred. Whatever you're doing and you're doing under the Lord, you just brought eternal reward into the conversation. And the good news is you can do it good enough. You can do a good enough job. You can measure up. Look at all the scripture I gave you where he said, well done, you did it. You did it, you did it, you did it, you did it. Oh my goodness. That's encouraging. That is so encouraging. So, what is our response? What are we gonna do with that? Run. Run the race to win. Not everybody who competes gets the prize. So run in such a way that you'll get it. Having such a great cloud of witnesses, lay aside weights. Lay aside Sins and run the race that's set before you and before me because we can measure up. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the East Side Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.